Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to two brand new She Writes For Him Stories of Living Hope authors. This new edition of the She Writes For Him line of compilations just launched on March 16th. So we're going to be introducing you to many of the contributors in the weeks to come. During the first half of the podcast, you'll meet Cherie Denna. Then during the second half of the podcast, I'll introduce you to Sarah Cormany, who has been with us before on the All Things podcast. These ladies both have incredible Romans 828 stories to share today. So first things first, let me give our first guest a proper introduction. Cherie Denna shares true stories and devotionals with grit and grace. Her mission is to lead others on a sacred discovery toward true belonging, testifying to God's justice in an unjust world, and help God's people persevere. Cherie's heart is for the outcast soul, those overcome with feelings of rejection, unworthiness, or who struggle with displacement. An outcast of society from birth, God rescued Cherie from a life of organized crime and the outlaw biker culture. Through years of counseling and recovery groups, prayer counseling, spiritual deliverance, and unwavering faith, God redeemed Satan's attempt to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in her life. By God's grace, she overcame childhood sexual abuse, attempted kidnapping as a child, infertility caused by sexual abuse, sexual promiscuity, and unfathomable violence and loss. He also spared her from serving a prison sentence while using her to witness to women from inside a jail cell. She completed the Jerry B. Jenkins Christian Writers Guild Apprenticeship Program and continues to grow in the writing craft. Cherie enjoys leading writing workshops to help others discover their voice. Her memoir, Biker Blood, An Outcast Quest for Justice and Belonging, will be released with Redemption Press in the summer of 2021. Cherie's chapter in this second edition of the She Writes for Him, Stories of Living Hope, reveals her ongoing struggle with CPTSD and how hope came alive for her in the midst of the pandemic. Other published works include contributions to Janet Thompson's Everyday Brave, Living Courageously as a Woman of Faith, 2019, and the anthology Inspire Grace, Inspiring Stories of God's Gracious Character, 2019. Cherie is also a blogger and writes devotions. Her greatest desire is to see others set free from anything holding them back from experiencing true belonging in Christ. She believes the rebranding of one's soul is life's ultimate adventure. The Lord called her into women's ministry as she walked through her own healing journey. She's served in women's ministry leadership roles for more than a dozen years through relapse prevention and recovery groups, Bible study groups, speaking ministry, and prayer counseling. The Lord also continues to use her story to minister to women about discovering true belonging, rebranding of the soul, 
Living as a Woman of Devotion, Infertility, Singleness, and Marriage. Cherie chairs a regional women's ministry retreat planning team for the Evangelical Covenant Church, Pacific Southwest Conference of the United States. Other interesting facts are Cherie is an experienced motorcycle rider. She and her husband love roller coasters. I believe that about her. And she has snow skied black diamond runs. And next on her list is a hot air balloon ride and jumping from a perfectly good airplane. Oh my goodness. She resides in Northern California with her husband of three years. You will likely find her hiking a bluff with her journal and camera in hand somewhere on the coast or on an RV adventure with her husband. She and her husband, Mike, are blessed to bless others through hospitality. They have two grown daughters and you can follow along on Cherie's journey at Cherie Denna or CherieDenna.com. So let's roll that conversation. So Cherie Denna, welcome to the All Things Podcast. I have been waiting a long time to have this conversation because we wanted to make sure the book was very close to being in our hands before we did this. And I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled and blessed to be here, Athena. Amen. So we're going to jump right into your chapter in the She Writes for Him Stories of Living Hope. That's the second edition of the She Writes for Him compilation that we started about a year and a half ago. And I just love that we were able to actually have an entry in this that was so timely. And yours is so tied to the whole COVID thing and how that played into God doing a a new work in your heart because of your past and all of the traumatic baggage that you carry. And you know, just how it's kind of been some full circles for you. So your chapter is called Behind the Mask. And there's that double meaning there, of course, with COVID. Mm -hmm. But give us a little, because you're working on your memoir right now. It's in production. You've written it. It's in the process now. But how did you decide because you could have gone a lot of different directions for this chapter in the book. First of all, how did you decide on this particular message? Well, I really felt it was a subject that needed to be discussed. There are so many people out here, out there, that have felt the... Oh, I guess new trigger, new triggers for in in mental health shifts in their mental health during this whole season of walking through COVID. And many of my friends and family, uh, people that I interact with on social media, in ministry, people who've never experienced mental health issues, you know, are are suffering. And I go, you know, have gone through a lifetime of contending with complex PTSD. And, you know, you go through seasons. And when this first took place, what, back in March of last year, 
it really rocked my world. And then the more people I, the more I began talking about it and how it was impacting me, the more I realized there are a lot more people that are suffering and are not able to talk about it because it's so such a delicate thing to, to, to talk about. So give us a little backstory on, cause there might even be someone listening who doesn't know what complex P- PTSD is. So let's mm-hmm. kind of level the playing field a little bit, explain that and kind of ha- why you have that without, okay. I mean, obviously the abbreviated version, because I think this, this is important for people to not stumble on, you know, the word and of complex mm-hmm. PTSD and mm-hmm. just kind of what, what trauma was behind that. Okay. Well, you know, PTSD is typically, you know, something that, you know, trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder that you, you know, comes after a following a traumatic event in your life. Complex PTSD is like from my childhood, I experienced multiple traumatic events, one after the other, after the other that expanded over years of my life. And so that's kind of a very brief description of complex PTSD. Okay. So I love that you're talking about triggers because when we have that kind of pain in our past, some of what we don't even remember, some of, uh, you know, a lot of it we do and some of it we've dealt with and sometimes we haven't and have just tried to stuff it so we don't have to deal with it because it's painful. So yeah. tell me kind of how, how it impacted you when you got triggered, when things started happening with sheltering in place and the masks and all of that, just kind of tell us your story of how that unfolded and when, what God taught you. Okay. Yeah. We were sitting in our, our living room and the news came on. Uh, I had heard about the virus. COVID-19, then on television that we were to shelter in place and not leave our homes and not travel. And it really just, it shook me. It shook my world. I, I stood there in the middle of the living room and I looked at my husband. I said, there's, there's something wrong here. And, and I felt panic, fear, and then a, a a sense of needing to to run, uh, you know, fight or flight just 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 kicked in, and and I needed I needed to run. I I felt like um, I was being, you know, imprisoned, and I lived in fear for most of my life as a as a child, and and you know, growing up, I come from a family of, of organized crime and the outlaw biker culture. I was born into that, that life. And with that came a lot of violence, a lot of trauma, a lot of death, and a lot of other things that just kind of evolved in just because of that, that lifestyle. So yeah, that really, really shook me and it, uh, was difficult for me for a few months. And I could not adhere to the new rules. And the new guidelines, um, the mask. I was having panic attacks, and I couldn't breathe wearing a mask. And I still struggle with it. 
but it was more so at first I would cry uncontrollably when I put that mask on. So that experience and that trigger took you on a little bit of a new journey of healing because that's what God does with those situations is he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which you are. So tell us a little bit about that journey and the parallel that he showed you that you share in this chapter. Well, he showed me that I was sealed with the Holy Spirit and that I belonged to him and nothing, no matter what was going on in the world, was going to change that. And he really held me close to his heart and drew me deeper in my relationship with him. And he reminded me of Mary Magdalene and the woman that, you know, reached for Jesus garment. She had been, you know, bleeding for years and, and how he saw through their afflictions and, and held them close and delivered them. And, and he reminded me of the, you know, just his truth. And that, and that the lies that I was, my mind was, you know, kind of revisiting and trying to believe again, that that's exactly what they were. They were lies and I had nothing, I had nothing to fear. So he was bringing me, he he brought me deeper into my, in in my relationship with him. So tell us a little bit about, well, first, let me just say that I love that because what the enemy wanted to use to take you back and put you in fear and bondage and lie to you and get he wanted to take away your freedom in Christ and the the love that God has for you. He wanted to try and destroy that, make you question that. Yes. And all it did was drive you closer to him. I love it that. Did. Yes, it did. It absolutely did. It took a it took, I mean, I was hanging on for dear life. I I always since I've come to Christ, I always have, you know, when it comes to, to PTSD and triggers that em- those emotions can sometimes feel like they're just so overwhelming and overpowering. But when he reminded me to keep my eyes on him mm. and what he was doing. So I really began focusing on more on the truth instead of the the lies and the, and the deception and that, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. Nope. (laughs) And, but that was my, you know, my anchor, my, my life preserver, holding on to those truths that he's just embedded in my heart and my soul all these years. And, and I had to, he reminded me through his spirit just to, to hold on to all of those things. And, and he also showed me What was going on, you know, in the spirit with friends and family, the fear that was pouring over, you know, everyone and, you know, showing me what people were falling prey to that and which people weren't and, and using me in a way to help, help others. And the more I 
began reaching out to others. And I, I created a page on Facebook, a private group for um, behind the mask, you know, contending with the, the pandemic, mental health during the pandemic. And I will tell you, I created that page. And within two days, I had over 300 people join me. You are meeting a need. Yes. And place. And the, and the more I started reaching out to help other people, just encourage other people in the Lord, it was helping me. Exactly. So let me, let me ask you a question. When those, when you get triggered or when you got triggered, and even if it happened today, something happened and you got triggered and the emotions are raging, what, what's your, what's the first thing that you have to remember to do to manage that and to, and to, you know, steward that emotion because the devil will take advantage of it if he can. So what do you do? What's the first thing you do when you realize, okay, I'm triggered and The first thing I have to do is recognize where it's coming from, you know, and that, you know, Jesus has already overcome the devil and I was already delivered from those things from the past and, you know, and, and not give the devil any, you know, glory in any, in, in it and just, just hold on to Jesus and, and worship him. Amen. So give us now, let's say we've got another 10, maybe 12 minutes to go. Give us the parallel that God showed you on the mask. The parallel that he showed me when others are in fear, when others are angry, you know, Jesus, Jesus looks beyond the mask into the, into the pain what really is there. And, and he's helped me do the same with my friends. I've had brothers and sisters who have, have out of their, their own fear, their confusion, you know, act and behave way out of character. Right. And losing hope in one another. And it's, he's really shown me how he looks through the mask to into our soul, into our hearts and, and showed me how I can do, how I can do the same, that we are all through this, even though we have this mask across our face, we're looking into the eyes of the window to the soul. Right. Right. And to look, to look beyond that, just as, as he does, he looks into our heart. He knows those things that are in those hidden chambers of our heart and what need healing and love, a touch of his love. And so that's been extremely powerful over this, this almost year now, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're almost into March. So, so yes. would you say that oftentimes when we are reacting in a way that maybe is hurtful to other people, or we're just so fearful or, when those things are going on in our hearts, that the tendency I would think would be to wear a mask, not literally, to wear a mask to hide that because we don't yes. really want to face the pain that's kind of behind the emotion that's coming out right now. Would you say yeah. that's correct? Absolutely. And I'm so familiar with that from years ago. It's funny because I've written about it 
you know, in past years about, you know, removing the layers of the, of my multiple masks as I was experiencing healing and recovery years ago. And yes, some of this, you know, these conversations people are afraid to talk about because they don't want to offend people. They don't want to anger people. And it's so important to process that hurt, the fear, whatever it is that we're dealing with through this, to talk to our friends, our family, our pastors, and, you know, just, just being able to voice what's going on behind, you know, behind that, you know, we, it's been such a tumultuous journey for all of us, but God has done amazing things. And, in, in in so many ways to help, you know, bring us, break those barriers. Right. Well, what, what I love, what I'm just seeing as we're talking about this, I'm seeing the Romans 828 story, how God's working good out of something that seems horrible, mm-hmm. this yeah. COVID, but that God is giving people an opportunity to face stuff Absolutely. I haven't wanted to face. And yes. He didn't even remember yet. And, but God is using this pressure that's mm-hmm. put on us through this COVID that we're almost, ha- I mean, we have two choices. We can either face it and allow him to heal us, or we go drink and drink ourselves into oblivion or, you know, overdose on drugs or start some, some sort of medication, yeah. self-medication. Yeah. He's refining us. Yes. He's absolutely refining us. It was something I was meditating on this morning about silver and what he does with silver, you know, and where we are going through this refining, refining process right now so that he can see eventually, you know, see his image in us. Yeah. But the draw yeah. has to come out first. Right. And that right. takes and pressure, right? Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, this, that just processing that reality that God is using it. I mean, yes, we're seeing spikes in domestic violence and suicide and alcohol mm-hmm. abuse and all, all sorts of stuff, but that's because what's deep down is actually coming out. It's the filter or whatever's been holding it down has come off. It's coming out and we're having an opportunity to be refined or to you know, run to the wrong things. And I just, it just is so redemptive. I mean, COVID is Mm -hmm. actually, God's using it to redeem. He is. He is. And, you know, even though it shook me like it did, and I was angry and, you know, I wanted to, you know, I'm very, I'm kind of, you know, defiant anyway, (laughs) but it would, it revealed a lot of things that, he still needed to do in me. Mm. Yep. And he's Great so God gracious and loving. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love that. So <laughs> if someone's listening today and they want to connect with you online, follow you, watch, you know, because you do a lot of microblogging on Facebook <laughs> and on and on Instagram, both. Yes, I'm on Instagram as well. Yeah. Okay. So if someone wants to connect with you online and find you, what's the best way for them to do that? 
best way uh, right now is on Facebook or Instagram at Sheree Denna. Uh, my website will be up soon, SheeDenna.com. So I'll be announcing that here uh, within the next couple of weeks. But yeah, Facebook or Instagram is the best way to, to find me. Perfect. And mm-hmm. Cherie's chapter, and she writes for him, Stories of Living Hope, which features Liz Curtis Higgs, Pam Farrell, and Debbie Alsdorf, is going to be available early to mid-February. So anytime after this show airing, you should be able to find it. You can check redemption-press.com, go to the bookstore there, and you can order it there. It's on Amazon for pre-order. Cherie's probably going to have it available on her website. Is that the plan? Yes, it'll be on my website. And right now it's also, I'm posting it on my social media. So perfect. The link's out there as well. So it's completely, I love her chapter. It's powerful. You will love it too. And all the other women that are featured in this book are, I mean, it's just like being washed with the word and it just feels so good. You feel so clean when you read it because it really Mm -hmm. is uh, very encouraging. So it was an honor. Well, amen. It was an honor to have you in there, Cherie. It's been a just a delight to have you on the All Things Podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. Thank you so much, Athena. God bless you. Amen. All right, we are back for the second segment in the All Things Podcast And let me introduce you to one of my all-time favorite people, Sarah Cormany. Sarah Cormany loves to see the grace of God in the messiest of life. She is wife to one sweet guy and mom to four messy, beautiful kids. Her most recent book, Born Beautiful, guides moms and daughters through a God-breathed conversation on beauty and identity. And while most of her journey has been written through the lens of chronic and life-threatening illness, Sarah is living proof a hard story can still be a good story. Connect with her on Facebook or at sarahcormany.com. All right, let's roll it. Well, Miss Sarah, it is a joy to have you back on the All Things Podcast now that you are an author in the most recent She Writes For Him compilation, Stories of Living Hope. Welcome back to the All Things Podcast. It is a delight to be back here. I love you. I love the podcast and I love the message that you you share of redemption in all the stories you bring on. Well, I'll tell you, it has been just such a delight to watch you grow and watch your story come to life and and touch people. And I just, I mean, when I first got the proof from the printer and read through this and and I'd already had you on the show, so I knew your story, but to just read your, the and it's the final chapter in the, she writes for him, living stories of living hope of which yours is in the suffering section, which is completely appropriate. But this crazy, wonderful little life 
I was just, you know, when I read it and that was the final one to read and just sense the presence of God in the story, Aww. it was good. Oh, thank you so much, sister. I just, and I, I have to say, as I've read through all the stories, one of the beautiful pieces is we all have different roads. We all have different experiences, but in every single story, it ends with Jesus and it ends with the same kind of hope. And that, that is so encouraging for anyone who's walking through any type of hard thing. And it's something that we need so desperately right now is just hope that we can trust in, that we can have faith that it will be there when everything falls apart. And y'all have done a beautiful job with that. Mm. So honor, the honor is all mine. Well, t tell us just a little bit for the audience to hear how you ended up <laughs> in this particular compilation in the first place. Well, I was a part of the first She Writes for Him conference, and we were, as a family, we were just in the middle of our starting to be quarantined. I had great plans, great plans, that in the fall of 2020, I would have no kids at home for the first time in 15 years. They are all home. They have all been home since March of last year. <laughs> so I, I readjusted my expectations. And when I saw, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw the She Writes for Him conference and then, oh, it's online. I can actually go. It doesn't matter that I'm immune suppressed and I'm stuck here for the near future. I just jumped in and I just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And my husband supported and kept the kids mostly away. And it was such a rich time of not only, I think, informing us how we can become better writers, but it really empowered each one of us to dig into the truth of who God is in our stories and I'll never forget Liz Curtis Higgs, the very opening quote that I think became a meme was when we write, we must be brave. And how beautiful that that then connects to this year of having courage and taking courage. That theme has been there since day one. And it was that piece of the conference that I think really I went back to a number of times over the course of last year where I was like, well, this doesn't look like what it was supposed to. And I have a chronic illness and I have four children and I can't do anything. But those words, when we write, we must be brave. And sometimes we have to do the things that seem impossible for his story to come to light. And I was just inspired to do that. I was inspired to sign up for the boot camp. Oh my glory. Like that was such a blessing to me and such a grace to connect with women who were of the same mind, who were just trying their best to honor God with their writing and their story. 
And it was kind of, I think it was, I don't remember everything crystal clear, as you know, but I think it was during that time period that the opportunity to be in Stories of Living Hope came up. And my husband and I really prayed about whether or not I should share my story and what piece of that story I should share. And it came down to the tender, beautiful space of my chronic illness journey and being the mom to four awesome, messy kids. So that's kind of how we got here. Wow. To this, moment. this just this week, I was up early in the morning watching for all the finalists for the SEAL Awards and Eva Marie Everson is calling off names and all of a sudden she said your name and I'm like, what is that my Sarah? <laughs> and you had written an article. T- tell us a little bit about that. So the very, I had only ever been to one other conference other than this. She writes for him when I signed up. And it was two years ago. And I, I mean, I was a hot, I was a hot mess. I did not know what I was doing. And I sat down at this table with this sweet woman from Randall house and just kind of, I think verbally barfed all over her. And I felt so bad later. I was like, I, I probably may not a hill beans worth of sense. Well, I'm going to go home and just pretend that never happened. Well, a year later, I get an email in my inbox And it's this sweet lady. Her name is Carol. And she said, I remember meeting you a year ago at this conference. And I was wondering if you would write something in our parenting quarterly devotional journal. And it opened up the door. I've been blessed to be published with her several times. But I think the piece of this that just warms my heart to such a great redemptive end is the story that was nominated was the story of walking my Mimi home. She had dementia. It went very fast. And my kids loved her like they love me, like they love their grandma. They were an integral. My grandparents were an integral piece of my kids growing up. And to see that honor was brought to my writing because of the hard road we walked in loving her home was just the best, the absolute best. And to watch my kids, that was the first time I really saw them understand the hope of heaven. We had lost people in our lives that it was quick and it was biting and it was very unexpected, but this was a journey where we said a proper goodbye. Mm. And my oldest, when my grandfather and my dad had passed earlier, it was just brokenness. But when my grandmother passed and went home to heaven, when I told my eldest, she said, mom, I'm so happy for her. Mm. He's home. She's home, mom. And again, what grace, what redemption, what a gift that God could use our broken pieces and the pieces that tear at our hearts for his goodness. Mm. Such grace. And to be able to write about it. I know. I know. Illustrate to others. This is what it looks like when we do it right. 
I, mean, I hope so. <laughs> but I mean, right doesn't mean it's not messy. And yeah. there's not all of the sorrow there and the, the bittersweet of all of it. Yes. But, I mean, and you know what the funny thing is, is this even in the context of the story, it, it was a disaster. I mean, I won't get into all of it, but the last day we realized that Mimi was going home soon. We had come bearing a huge balloon bouquet valentine's for all the residents and we walked into her room and it was very clear that she was close to going home and there are all four children just looking at us we're like okay well say good night to mimi and we'll go deliver valentine's and i pulled my husband into the bathroom i said honey i know this is bad this is really 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 bad so we've got it we got to pull it i mean he's crying i was like you have got to hold yourself together buddy we've got to we've got to pull it together for these four kids well, it started off well, the whole giving the Valentines away until all of a sudden I hear my daughter go, mom, mom, one of them is eating the Valentine. And there was this man, Warren, which we knew well, and he was eating the Valentine. And so there I am trying to pull the Valentine out of his teeth. And I just yelled at my husband. I was like, honey, I was wrong. There is no redemption. We need to get into the van as quickly as possible. So, you know, we made a horrible mess. We did everything that probably all the grief books told us not to do. We made a huge mess. And yet there was God's grace in that moment when our daughter said, she's home. She's home. Even in spite of our mess and our disaster and the young man, actually older man who was choking on one of our foam letters, God's grace shined through it. So, well, and you did it together, you yes, know, and you, you know, your kids got to see, okay, mm-hmm. that didn't work. Okay, <laughs> you know, yes, they but, did. But that's, <laughs> but that's so sweet to have them instead of, you know, kind of trying to keep them away from that pain, you invited them in. That's powerful. Oh, you're so. You're so kind. I mean, you're making me weep as usual. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's happy tears. Okay. (laughs) Then you're going to make me weep and then we'll just be the weepy wonder woman. Yes, we will. We will. Well, and I, I, I think that that even that experience was even a measure of grace of my illness, which is what I talk about is how that affected my mothering. And we have lived really since 2011, which is when I had the stroke that kind of, it removed my ability to keep my illness invisible. And in some ways that's a double-edged sword because at least now people know that there's something wrong, but it also meant I couldn't keep it from the world. And anytime people saw me, they saw that cane, they knew I was weak. But what it allowed is for for the early years of my mother, and I think this happens for so many sweet mamas, we just want to get it right. And we just try so hard to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But we were never meant to be perfect. We were meant to give our babies a perfect God. 
and introduce them to Jesus and the heart of Jesus. And sometimes that happens in a really big mess. And sometimes it can be hilarious. And we have many hilarious stories of when it was hilarious, but it also, it's also brought us face planted to the feet of Jesus. So many times, like, as you said, as a family, just we are broken and we're hurting and we're imperfect and the world can see it and we can't keep it masked, but we love you and we trust you. We trust you to make it beautiful because you've done so many times before. And perhaps that's the the greatest grace of my illness is that just messiness and his ability to shine through it in the middle of all the craziness. Yeah. And you're able to walk out what it looks like to trust God, even when things, even when I really don't want to, even when I really, really do not want to. The verse that I have been holding on to this year is one that I've I've loved for a long time, but it, it's definitely filtered into my writing and into my journey as a mom, because since we're here all together, there's a lot of things we've had to sift through, including the kiddos just, and I think I carry this more than my kids do, but the reason we're home, the reason that we're quarantined is because of my illness. And they understand if mom gets this, what we've worried for our whole lives, she could go home and they have to carry that and walk through that. And I've really had to struggle even through all the experience that I've had of God being faithful to remember that. First Thessalonians 524 is the verse. So I don't forget he who calls you is faithful. And I don't, I don't ever have to be like, you know, get up in the morning and go, am I called to be a mom? I don't have to, I don't have to, I am called to be a mom. And he knew before the foundation of the world that I would be the mess I was and that the hurt and the pain that my illness would cause would be a part of my kids' stories. And yet, but still, he will be faithful in all the doubts, in all the pain, in all the tears, and he will bring beauty out of it. If I can tell you one little more, one little story of how that has happened this year, because I think we have so many parents who are watching their kids work through pain and adversity, and we want to keep them from it. We want to protect them. We want to shelter them. That's just who I think, I think that's innate in us as parents, but we miss what that pain can build. And this fall, my eldest, the one who said goodbye to Mimi and saw the hope of heaven had decided to give her statement of faith. And my husband and I, and she were huddled around this little computer and she was on a Zoom call and I had read the statement of faith, but just hearing her testify as she talked about when she was in elementary school that she would walk into school worried that she would come home and I would either be in the hospital or I wouldn't be there at all. Mm. And to hear her say, but I had Jesus. And know that even though those words hurt tremendously, just that she had that testimony then to even say in middle school, when she said goodbye to my grandma, 
when she said goodbye to my grandpa, when I almost died again, she said, I, I, I got so sad and it was so hard. I just, I felt like God was far away. And so I kind of turned my back on the whole thing. And that hurts my mama heart. But then the words that she said following that, but then I found him again. Mm. And I remembered that even when I think he's not there, he's carrying me. And so the story, my story is one that I can trust that God carries me even when I ask why, even when I wonder why me. And that all went back to all my insecurities as a mom. And the tears were just flowing. And I hugged her and I went back to my room and I just lost it because that, that is what we give to our kids. Again, right back to it. It's not that we have done a perfect job, but that we've introduced them to a perfect Jesus so that no matter whether we're there for five years, 10 years, 50 years of their journey, we have given them the best of who we are. Mm. And, and that is such a Romans 828 story, how he could use your illness to draw her to himself. Yep. And make that such a so much deeper than it would have been without those circumstances absolutely pain is a powerful teacher it just is and the the bad comes with a whole lot of good too amen amen well my friend this has been so delightful your chapter in this new volume of she writes for him it's going to be a blessing to so many who read it and to, to actually have it be the one that closes this volume is, it's just such a blessing to me because it's kind of God's exclamation point at the end of all these amazing stories. So thank you so much for just being a part and being part of the tribe and just being, I mean, I love, just being in community with you. It is just, even though we've never met face to face, it has just been a delight. Oh, sister, the feeling is mutual. I adore you. And I adore being a part of the community that you fostered and grown within She Writes. And I'm excited to see all the stories you're going to bring to the world. Amen. Amen, my friend. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.